Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, Uncle Charlie's starting to hit a little different. And Trim the Roster Day is behind us at Flowery Branch. So, surprise saves, surprise cuts. We'll talk about it. And we're talking about best sophomore albums in For the Culture. That's all coming up next. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I'm going to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day 1 your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day 1 is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Atlanta Falcons trimmed the fat. We'll talk about that in 10 minutes. But first, T, we got to talk about Uncle Charlie getting the ball done last night. He had the ball last night, got it done, eight strikeouts, six inning T. Yeah. He only gave up one run in the second inning. Woo, when, I, when you think about going back to, you know, when he went up against the New York Mets and he had those seven walks T, they weren't able to capitalize on him, which is so weird. Well, it's not weird. It's the Mets. They stink. But um, when you think about going back to that, to where he is now, he had – Double-digit strikeouts against the whole um, entire state of New York, you know, um, a multiple couple times. And then now he's just put, starting to really put it together. He's gained that control, T. And I think this time around, I really feel like Uncle Charlie is here to stay in this mode right here. Yeah, and, and I love that we keep seeing it because when we saw it the first game, we are like, okay, all right, now, nice bounce back. And then the game yeah. after that, whoa, whoa, okay. And then the third game, because I think this is now we're four games into this return to prominence, if you will. We said, Indeed. okay, we think that it's acceptable to call him Uncle Charlie again. Here's yes. the chuckle part. When you go on to social media and you see Bally Sports Braves and the Braves calling him Uncle Charlie again, I said, I think everybody agrees <laughs> yes. that, that Unc is back. And that is yes. so that is so exciting. And I thought to myself, I said, a month ago, we wouldn't have been having this conversation about, oh, man, Charlie Morton, his 19 streak, 19 game streak or 19 inning streak of going scoreless is ended. That's a conversation yeah. we're not having about Bryce Elder. We're not having about Max Fried. We're not having about Spencer Schreider. We are having about 39-year-old Charlie Morton, who did a couple things with that six innings of one-run ball and only three hits. He joined Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, Randy Johnson, and, of course, Greg Maddox, I think, did it twice. So yeah. he would be considered the fifth pitcher to have gotten that particular stat line in Coors Field. And we're talking about a field that is very, very hitter-friendly. So it's very impressive what he's been able to do. And the bullpen is giving him what he needs to say, hey, you gave us you, – you turned this game over to us. We have the lead in both instances, you know, last night and, of course – Tonight, uh, you see it twice, right? Or, I'm sorry, last mm -hmm. night the night before, and hopefully you'll yep. see it again today, especially because yep. they've got a true rookie on the mound making his MLB debut and Darius Vines. But the point being, the bullpen, scoreless. After Bryce Elder gave up four runs last night, the bullpen said, hey, no problem, we're good here. So, yeah, I really like this complete effort, and I already know that nobody – is more excited to talk about the Big Bear, a.k.a. Ozone, <laughs> than yes. you. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it, T. When you talk, 
Think about you know bringing all the nicknames back. Like that means there's a good thing going on. Yes, you earn a nickname yes. for me. Hey, you're doing some good things. So I think that when you bring back Ozone, he got his 30th home run last night. T, which puts him in a, a nice exclusive category. When you think about in the major leagues, T, there is on 11 guys in the major leagues with 30 or more home runs. The Braves have three of them. Um, you're talking about Matt Olson. Uh, um, you talking about Matt Olson, um, Austin Riley, Riley, and, and, Riley yeah, and yeah they're Olson right on the coming up. He's right there. He's coming up, yes, and Ozzy as well. So I, I th- yes. when you think about like the potential to have five of those guys, you know, uh, towards right now, we're not even, we haven't even made it to September yet. That is just an awesome thing to believe in. When and this to add this to when you have a guy like Ozone. Winning games for you, yes. <laughs> T. Like yes. With with all of the people that are in this lineup, we just mentioned. Like you got a guy like Marcel Ozuna winning games at the end of yeah. in the end of August, T. Like this is yeah. something that I feel like this is like people better get ready because yeah. when you got guys like Marcel Ozuna and Eddie Rosario and all those guys like that winning games for you at this time of year, you better watch out. You better watch yeah. out for sure. Ozone's your offense for one game. That was like mind blowing. I, I just right. really, but it's exciting for him and for the Braves and sure, because, Hey, take this conversation back about six or seven months, maybe eight months. And people were literally calling for his head, scratching their heads. Like what are Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker thinking, get rid of this guy. And I know we were kind of scratching our heads as well. Like we don't understand when we are having conversations about Marcel Ozuna and at a point, couldn't even say 100 anything then it got to 178 we were like okay uh, i mean it's not gonna get him and then the third conversation right and then the next conversation was uh uh-oh he's getting into the 200s approaching three good get value for him at the trade deadline that was the next conversation and then here's the third conversation hey jarvis tanitra other folks who do you guys think should be or could be or will be the Braves' second-half MVP, if you take Ronald Acuna Jr. out of the question and out of the conversation, our answer, and most people's answer, was Austin Riley. Yes. But you know what? Marcel Ozuna has quietly made a case for why they retained him in the first place, for why they stuck with him at the trade deadline, and why he has slowly but surely become the guy in the conversation for A, being the back-half MVP for the team, and then B, being one of the guys who could help them put together another World Series championship run. Unbelievable. Yeah, like, that's kind of like, that is, it's amazing, like, the journey yeah. he's been on this year. I know. Um, because, like, the, the, he's literally changed the conversation about him. Yeah. He's changed Indeed. perception. Yeah, in You hit a in long a ball five months. times in eight games, that's what happens. <laughs> yes, it, it can happen pretty quickly. Speaking of, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned Darius Vines. Darius Vines is going to make his debut tonight. He's the 10th um, ranked Prospect in uh, according to the MLB pipeline in the Braves farm system. So um, this is a guy that you know is very interesting. You know, yeah, brother. You know, I know that's that stands out to me. You know, hey, you got a a brother going to the mound tonight to make his uh, rookie debut, and it's all in to all part of the plan to to make sure that all you got all your 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 front end of your uh, rotation lining up to go up against the Dodgers, and we know that's super important. Like I really like this. I like that the yeah, Braves are actually I able do. to do this and give their guys yes. a little rest and exactly. line up their guys against the Dodgers because yeah. they know how big this series is coming up. Yeah, and it's a calculated risk because here's the thing. 
The Dodgers are right there, I believe, four games behind the Braves. So you still got to win today. You really got to sweep because that'll put you in position where you might go into L.A. Uh, just three games ahead of the Dodgers. So there's an opportunity there for them. They're salivating to have the opportunity to eclipse you and get to the top of the National League and then put themselves in position for what they want, which, of course, is and everybody's presuming this, right? We don't know for sure. Right. But that there will be an NLCS that will see Braves Dodgers, but that will be decided in L.A. So this is, yes, a very, very important f series for both of those franchises. Absolutely. And we would all eyes will be on that series out in L.A. And hopefully, you know, we won't get any crying or anything. We just get some good old baseball. <laughs> Speaking of see, some. Fatty, fatty. <laughs> well, you know, you know me, T. I'm sorry. You know, I can't help myself. You know, that's how I get down. So, yeah, there is. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. But now I got to tell you about FanDuel.com, because guess what, guys? It is the number one sports book in America, what are you waiting on? Have you gone to it yet? Have you started winning you some money? Because NFL season is right here. It's right now. So the partners, they cut down to the 53. It's here, y'all. Because guess what? For all you new customers for FanDuel, they have a great, great, great deal just for you. They have, you can bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off. NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Guess what, y'all? Y'all got to mean you can watch the Falcons wherever you are. If you're out of town, you're out of the country, shoot, you can log on, we'll log in and watch that bad boy wherever you please. Now, it's the best time to join FanDuel because the app is super safe. It's easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the spreads to the player props, the money lines, the over-unders, all that stuff. They got it right there for you. So all you got to do is just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and call the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss because FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. Well, the deed has been done, Jarvis. At 4 p.m. Eastern time, the clock struck for the 53-man roster in Flowery Branch. So we now technically know what the roster is going to look like for September 10th. And of course, we know anything can happen between now and then, especially because we know that there are 16 players who can be signed to the practice squad today. And uh, we expect that some of these players who may have been let go on Tuesday would come back. So want to preface by saying that. And of course, we, we'll keep you guys posted on that progress and we'll react to some of those moves as well. But yeah, it was very, very interesting because I think a lot of people were kind of sitting back with bated breath to kind of see, especially and you and I talked about that yesterday. There were there were some players who were on the bubble. Now, when you look in the QB room, no shock there. You look in the running back room, no shock there. We already talked about the fullback room as well. Wide receiver room, uh -huh. tight end room. Uh -huh. uh, O-line is another one. I think for the most part, we're settled on D-line. You might want to talk about that. I'll be interested to hear. But let's start this way. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball and start mm -hmm. with your surprise saves on the offense, offensive side of the ball. Who would you say, oh, wow, didn't see that coming? Probably Josh Ali. But here's, here's why I say that. Because, because of you know him being a guy who was kind of like, you know, flew under the radar, but he was always a guy every time I, you know, would be up at practice, I'm like, oh, okay, that was a nice catch. Mm -hmm. Or I like I like the effort there, you know, and, and also he's another guy that, you know, is going to be able to be um, big for you on special teams. So mm -hmm. I think that was the first one offensively. And then okay. second, secondly, it had to be that tight end room. Now, I, I had a good idea that 
that yeah. Arthur Smith was going to go with four tight ends. Makes all the yeah, sense in the world, agreed. right? If you Absolutely. basically your base offense is basically twelve personnel, like mm-hmm. like he likes to run those two tights out there. So to have yes. uh, backups for both of those, you know, um, so to speak, it, it makes all the sense in the world. But mm-hmm. I think that Parker Hesse getting cut for John yeah. Fitzpatrick, I was just like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. like you know, girl, our girl. Um, uh, Tori McElhaney mm-hmm. for AtlantaFalcon.com was was adamant about you know John Fitzpatrick, yes. yes, um, you know making a roster. So I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, but, that kind of tipped the hand a little yeah, bit. Yeah, kind of tipped the hand a little bit. You know, as as well she should be. You know, she is mm-hmm. ex- excellent at what she does. So I think that yeah. those were the two things that really stood out to, to me offensively. You know, just from, from a standpoint of okay, I get it. You know, from from a production standpoint and what they were able to do from a, uh, in practice and showing the coaches. But it was just like, oh, okay. You know, it was kind of just a little slight switch, switch up. Not a big surprise, but, yeah. you know, it was just definitely something that made you say, hmm. I would agree. And I think that maybe when you look at Parker Hesse, the only thing I can think, well, two things I can think of. Number one is you look at Kyle Pitts and particularly Jonu Smith, and maybe Michael Pruitt, and you say to yourself, does Parker Hesse give me anything different, maybe? And maybe mm-hmm. he's giving you a little Jonu Smith, if you will, but Jonu Smith would be maybe the upgrade, uh, and whereas yes. John Fitzpatrick may bring a little something different to the table, and you know that in all likelihood you can bring Parker Hesse back on that practice squad and then possibly bring him back on the roster you know, on an as-needed basis. So it'll be interesting to see, but I would agree with you. I think most of us figured that John Fitzpatrick definitely had a shot because people like Tory, who are close to the situation, so to speak, kind of hinted at, yeah, it might be him. But I think there was still like a little bit of a surprise that it ended up being him. Now, those are John Fitzpatrick would be the surprise save cut for you. Right. And so the surprise maybe cut cut would have been Parker Hesse. Was there anyone else on offense whom you said, whoa, OK, that's a surprise cut. Didn't see that coming. Anyone else? Um, to be honest with you, not really. Um, not really because, like you know, Tyler Vrabel and Jalen Mayfield. I was like, yeah, they had their audition to you know against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they didn't show well, and now they're not on the team. So, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Vrabel ends up on the practice squad. You know what I mean? So, you know, being that he was waived, so that means that he's eligible Mm -hmm. for uh, for that. So, I wouldn't be surprised he pops back on, but. Just overall, though, no, no real big surprise, you yeah. know, um, cuts um, offensively, though. Indeed. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, that was interesting as well because there was a little bit of commentary, especially in the linebacker room in particular. But yeah. for you, when you looked across that space and said, hey, here's where I think the Falcons might go and here's where they went, what would you be your surprise? What would be your surprise saying? Wow. I w- it would probably be Albert Huggins um, because, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Timmy Horn. That would be yeah. the guy that, you know, yeah. that will stick around. But when you uh, just t- take a moment just to kind of think about where, where this team is this mm-hmm. year. Like when you look at that, the defensive lineman that on his roster, all those guys that are guys that can play, they yes. are, are going to play. They don't have really mm-hmm. have any guys that are kind of project guys like they did last year. And that just mm-hmm. speaks to the level of talent that you have on this year yeah. versus last year. And I yeah. think that that's kind of where Arthur Smith said he was. Like, this is going to be a competitive camp. You know, you had a guy like Timmy Horn make the squad last year. He was a, a mm-hmm. good story. I thought yeah. he did. I thought he had a solid preseason, but it's not an indictment on him. 
It's just yeah. the fact that, hey, we have better defensive linemen yeah. on this roster. And I think that when you, you talk about though that rotation that you yeah. know Ryan Nielsen wants to roll with this year, and pretty much everybody's gonna play and get get um uh, get um uh, a significant amount of snaps this year and, and divvy those things up a little bit, you gotta say, hey, you know what? We appreciate you, you know, for what you did for us last year, but yeah. it is time to, you know, it's time to get to a, another level in this thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, I would say the same with only one caveat, but I still think your point is well taken and your point is accurate. Zach Harrison is probably the closest you'll get to a project. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, you're absolutely right. That's and fair. He's, That's and, fair. and look, I say cl- as close as you get to a project, because let's just be honest, Calais Campbell has him under his wing. He's going Hold to up. be just Indeed. fine. So yeah, that's why I say you can call him a project, whereas, and also to your point, Timmy Horn had all the time and opportunity in the world from his quote unquote resume with the Falcons last season and anything that he did this past offseason to show them that, hey, I should make the roster. Zach Harrison is a current pick. It would have been very difficult to just, you know, cut him just as an example if you're talking about a project and which one makes the most sense to kind of retain, that would be Zach Harrison because he's a rookie. So there's nothing but upside for them to see for him. So I definitely uh, understand that one in terms of, it was a little shocking, but then it was like, okay, well, it's understandable as it relates to the project you choose versus the project that you wouldn't. But yeah, Albert Huggins, show and prove, sir. Show and prove. Now, outside linebacker. Seemed to be interesting as well for a lot of people. Nobody was shocked, of course, with Bud Dupree, Arnold Ebikati, Low Carter. Everybody was like, okay, well, you know. And we can agree. That was no different than when we saw that the Falcons re-signed him. We thought he was on the yeah, bubble. Yeah, they bought him back for a reason. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you brought him back, not that you didn't do the same with Parker Hesse, but to our point, in particular with the linebacker core where you could have gone anywhere, you definitely weren't in a situation where you had to re-sign him and you did. So... I wouldn't call that a super surprise, but D'Angelo Malone seemed to make a little, a few folks like, hmm, okay. But was that a surprise mm-hmm. for you? Or I would even go to say a Nate Landman um, on the inside or a Tay Davis? No, um, I, it was no surprise for me because, you know, Tay Davis had been having an excellent camp. Um, he was out there making plays, you know, and when he had an extended uh, amount of playing time against the Steelers, like you saw, like, okay, like, this yeah. guy might be a, a guy I think that could that's be a solid back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that was a prime opportunity for some guys. And Arthur Smith even kind of said it as such when you're talking about like guys getting opportunities to, you know, go up against, you know, some starting, starting caliber guys. And they, if they show well, they, you know, those, that's my popping stuff. I'm like, okay, you can kind of make a roster. You know, if you if you show well against a starting caliber um, NFL player. So yes. um, I, I think that – and then D'Angelo Malone uh, and Nate Lambin, uh, Nate Lambin for sure, like that is one of their guys. Like Nate Lambin, I had no – that's no surprise at all. I, I know for a fact that that guy was going to make this squad. And then D'Angelo Malone, he got an extensive amount of playing time. You saw him put some pressure. You make the quarterback move off the spot. I think just – Right now, for me, for Malone, I think that it's time him for him to kind of make sure that he's doing the technical things yeah. just from way, the way he lines up and just kind of angles and everything like that when it comes to, you know, rushing off the edge because he's close, but it's just all about, you know, just tweaking 
little, a little thing here and there, and I'm sure Ryan Nielsen is going to work with him on that yeah. just so he can get home and put the quarterback on the ground because that's why he was brought in. Yeah, and I would say the same for him. Like, I think it was more of, you know, we're just all waiting. Like, we haven't seen the flash, but we kind of want to see the flash, and we're kind of trying to figure it out with him. But mm-hmm. I think on the same token, they're waiting to see the flash as well. And I think that's yeah. part of the reason why he got the extensive time during the preseason so that they could say, okay, we can truly justify, like, we're seeing something, and we think we can work with that and get him to where we want him to be uh, for the regular season. And I would say everybody else in terms of the DB room, I think we were good to go. I think we mostly called that yesterday. And our only question at this point is, will there be any changes potentially to the DB room based on Malcolm Butler's visit? So, of course, we, we will keep you guys uh updated on the progress there we'll talk a little bit more about the practice squad and just continue to march you guys to the first day the first game of the regular season for the falcons but hey did you guys have any surprises that you saw on that 53-man roster either surprise saves or surprise cuts let us know everydayers don't forget to drop a line in the chat when you check us out on youtube and of course download us wherever you get your podcasts but T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, I came across a tweet. And you know, you know, going through or a tweet or X or a Zen, whatever, whatever they call it nowadays. Uh, and I thought it was very interesting. So I was like, you know what? I think this is a good for the culture topic. Now, yeah, you know, I, I gotta start off with mine. So we're talking about best sophomore albums from your favorite artists or group. So, you know what? I'm going to start off with my favorite group, T. Like, it has to be for me. My introduction to Outkast is the AT Aliens. Oh, my goodness. The best album. And I was actually going through some a couple lists. You know, I still kind of still this season. So, best sophomore albums, they made it to top five on Complex. Oh, wow. Like, you know. You know how you know how be hating, you know, sometimes on on a boy, on my boys from the south. So, but I, I absolutely love Outkast, AT Aliens. Like, who's your favorite, you know, sophomore album um, on person or uh, group artist or group? I would have to give it to Mary. Mary J. Blige's "My Life" was just similar. Oh, yeah. I, I just Come yeah, on. like I mean, <laughs> she was just speaking for everybody. Yes. It was yes. unbelievable. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, what's the four one one left dip? I mean, she changed the game. I mean, there was no such thing as a queen of hip-hop or a queen of hip-hop and R&B. None of that existed until Mary existed. So she's the blueprint. But for her to put that album out and then come back with just the raw uncut, like, I mean, we were there like, oh, God, Mary needs a hug. But then we thought, (laughs) you know what? So do we. Because she was singing a song that, I mean, anything off that album, top to bottom, you pretty much could probably relate to or if you couldn't relate to you knew someone who could so yeah that had to be my pick she is definitely you know I always break it down in categories of like old school middle school new school artists so she is my middle school favorite artist okay and uh yeah that album whoo yeah you should go check it out if you've not listened to it or if you haven't listened to it in a minute wire to wire yeah you, you need to go rock that download that entire thing and you know what? Like, so you know me, I go down the rabbit hole. So, like, one of the ones that I I, I appreciated it back then because it kind of brought back memories. Back when I was playing, you know, playing ball in college and all that stuff was trap music by Tip. Oh my oh, gosh! Okay, like that okay, entire yeah. album just 
rise. And I was just like, because you know how you can listen to little samples of a whole album. Right. I was just going through it um, before we started the show. And I was like, oh my God, this dude got hit after hit after hit after hit on this joint. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that, and, and to this day, like I always said that I, my favorite album was um, Serious, but now just going back and just listening to it and kind of see the growth from album yes. one to album yes. two, it's just like, man, I don't know. I might have to change that up a little bit. But yeah, yeah, it was it definitely brought back some memories when I started, you know, going through trap music and saying, you know what? Man, this dude came out with a good one. That was a banger. Right. And that's a great word that you use, growth. Because mm-hmm. so many artists they come out and they blaze with one song. First of all, let's just say a gazillion one hit wonders, right? But then some course, some yes. artists come out and they blaze with their entire first album, right? So mm-hmm. you think, okay, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. They're going to come back with that fire, the second album, and they just fall off a cliff. And they never really recover, and you often wonder, like, wow, I really thought that person was going to be next. But when mm-hmm. she came back, like, she came back with growth. I mean, you could hear the vocals stronger. She began to write more. The production was tight. Like, everything just showed that she was never – and that, this is my thing always. I always think after the first album, and I get excited about artists, they're going to leave us. They're going to disappoint us. They're not going to come back with the bangers. She just yep. kept coming. And she's still like the baddest middle schooler out there as far as my middle school artists go. So, yeah, yes. I, I love that word growth because, yeah, she's the one who is one of the ones, including Outcast, like you mentioned, including T.I., like you mentioned, who actually showed like, yeah, I'm here to stay because look at how I could improve album to album to album to album and you and I are still having this conversation about all three artists who are still relevant to this day. Yeah, and this and and can I throw another one at you? Because and, and, and guys, you can throw yours at us in the comments right there. Drop it in the comments right there. Drop your favorite best off best sophomore album, best sophomore album that you ever heard. Drop it in the comments, and we'll get a nice little conversation going because we appreciate you guys for for rocking with us. But T, I got to throw one more in there before we get out of here. Kanye West. Late oh, registration. Register- yeah, late registration. Yeah, oh my, my gosh. Yeah. Man, like, yeah. I miss that Kanye so much. Like, yeah, Mr. West. Yeah. Right, exactly. That <laughs> broke was, five broke. Yeah. We ain't got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's when that it was, was cool true. to actually talk about not having money. Like, exactly. like that's yeah. how you know that Kanye was an absolute genius. He made genius. people yeah. admitting that they don't have money. Cool. It was okay. It's like, you know, we ain't got it. I let my wife drive my car. Like, like, whoa, this is so great. But yeah, just a lot of That's good. An awesome yeah. Win. Yeah. So yeah, That's I, an I awesome really, win. yeah, it's some good, really, really, really good stuff as far as, you know, how this, like I said, seeing these artists yeah. grow and, and kind of like just working on their, working on their skill set to Indeed. become better. Like, and, yeah. and kind of see the, the reaping the war, rewards of it. It's just really, really cool. Just really, really cool. Exactly. And hey, we could not wrap up the show, of course, without mentioning another guy from Atlanta. We'll mention him and then we're out of here. But Usher growth on that second album. And he was the one who I've loved from day one. I still listen to Think of You. That is his first single that he ever dropped. And it was awesome. But that second album, fire. And you know, we hope Darius Vines is fire on the mound in his MLB MLB debut (laughs) for the Braves today as they try to wrap this very important series with Rockies because they need to get this win so that they can go into L.A. and take care of business. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll talk more Falcons and anything on the sports scene here in Atlanta. We got you tomorrow. And make sure if you don't do anything else with your life, make sure you share love, 
Show love. And most importantly, spread love. love.